Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. All right, we're started. So continue. Go ahead and restate the point because I think we were having a pretty good conversation. I think we're just going to, for this episode, just kind of shoot the shit. (laughs) Exactly. So like this, this is one of those things where like I would like to ask everybody, if you went back to January 1st, those, other than those people who were like super conspiracy theorists and were hearing about it, you know, or maybe had been in China or maybe had been in Wuhan or something like that. How many people would think that there were going to be no riots, like real riots. And like, they were going to be able to somehow tell people you can't really do business, do business. And everyone was just going to kind of go along with it. And that's it. Like, Virginia is talking about like the stay at home order ends on the 10th of June, July, yeah, June, I think. But like the business closes order ends sometime in May, which I don't really understand the difference there, but like traffic all last week has been steadily on the uptick. Like, you know, as we were saying, like, I don't think they're going to be able to do this again unless it's like Ebola, like straight out, like super, super death like entire villages dead of, you know, just horrific disease as opposed to presumably there. I mean, there are plenty of young people who have died from this, but like the vast, vast majority more are older folks with some other problem. Well, yeah. And, and the the thing with that too, is that uh, this is more like a, I guess a psychological backing on that is that there is at some point, and I think people are going to be absolutely furious about this in a couple of months because it does seem from the data that's coming out now, and it could change that basically they did this on bullshit pretenses. There's mm-hmm. not really, they didn't really have any idea what was going on. They assumed the worst for some reason. Uh, and even with the numbers in China, like China had a much worse reaction to, you know, H1N1 and swine flu and all that sort of stuff than, than happened in the United States. I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. died from it. Um, but from the data that was given, the reaction to this was so out of proportion from what appears to be coming out now that somebody's head's going to have to roll, I think, on this. But it's also the boy who cried, cried wolf uh, factor, I guess, or like the mm. that, that syndrome, you know, like that this is – and we talked about this when this first came out, and a lot of people did too, is that like this is like the ninth or tenth – disease that I can recall that they blew way out of proportion on the news media. Now, granted, this is the first time the government has had this ridiculous reaction to it, mm-hmm. at least in the United States. But you're going to see, like, the thing is, like, shutting down the, the, or not even shutting it down, but slowing it down as much as they've slowed it down, because it hasn't technically been a shutdown even though that's what it's being billed as. I mean, there are things that are open. Like we went to the garden center today. So, and it was open. There was a ton of people there, but the, a slowdown like this for two months is going to have ramifications to the economy for 10 years. Like this is a huge, huge amount of money. I mean, this is and, permanent changes to the oh, economy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and this is one of those, it, things, it is. And this is like one of those kind of, I don't know enough about Austrian economics sort of situations, but like the biggest thing that I've been thinking about is like, 
how many, and we talked about this briefly at some other point, how many businesses are they killing that shouldn't have been in business to begin with? Like, well, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I think, and, yeah, I think we did touch on that. Yeah. So like, this is like one of those things where like, did, did somebody know like a really bad business cycle collapse was coming? So they did this weird, like mini prick where they were going to let the air out and like, maybe it got out of hand or maybe it's not hit where they wanted it to, or maybe it's exactly what they wanted. But like, this is the thing that's kind of like floating around in my head about this. It's like, what's going on that we're missing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like there's, you know, we're still doing all this terrible crap with Iran. We're still not out of Afghanistan. Like, and this is one of those things where like, I just wish Trump had really truly been like anti-war, but like thought the only way he could be president was to like keep the generals in his pocket. And then he just been like, Oh crap. Uh, Afghanistan's really got the, the COVIDs. We're coming home. Everybody leave. Like just, just leave. Yeah. And the same with Iraq. We're out, you know, just like kind of George Bush, it like that, like weird way George Bush would kind of like say something like, ha ha, I just came up with this idea. And you're like, you've been thinking about this for months, man. <laughs> like you're not that smart. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. just or, or at least his people have. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, it drives me nuts that like, we're still there and right. like, we're still agitating against the Iranian people. And it's like, you know, maybe this virus is very dangerous and maybe, maybe like people, maybe the Chinese gave like Western governments, like the deep part of the government, like the actual numbers. And we're like, you should do something, but we're not going to own up to this. And, you know, maybe like, maybe that's what happened is like somebody, you know, maybe, you know, it's going to be one of those things. We're going to be like, old and decrepit, you know, when we're like a thousand because of all the life saving technology that we're going to ingest into ourselves, <laughs> but it'll come out that like the Chinese government told the rest of the world's governments that like, no, 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 this is pretty bad. If it gets going, you know what I mean? Like, right. If you, you have a really enclosed population, kind of like New York city, like you know, they, there was a thing where they were saying like, oh, the thing can travel on pollution particles. Did you see that today? I did. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so this is how they're going to shoot horn, is like, like green and, and, energy. Kind of, yeah. But to kind of quote a friend, a, a mutual friend of my, well, I guess my friend and your acquaintance, um, nobody actually knows anything. Mm -hmm. And like the, the people who study this sort of stuff can say all they want that they know what's going on. And, but if they're if they're the ones who built the models, they clearly don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then like there's actually there was an article like last week or the week before where they were like, the reason that men are dying at a much higher rate than women is because of testicles. Maybe that's true. I read the article and I was like, this doesn't really make sense to me, but I don't know. Like maybe. And then but there's been like there's been other things coming out with like, there was actually an article recently that I read where they were like, this has been here since like August mm -hmm. and like based off of random sampling of, uh, the, uh, antibodies. But then there's also like another article being like, well, the antibodies don't actually mean anything. They could yeah. be from flu. Yeah. And that's a like thing regular flu. Like the other thing that like John McAfee pointed out was the federal government's giving 
like hospitals, $39,000 for every death reported. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. Like, they're also, they're also giving like the, I had the numbers written down. Um, actually, I still haven't written down. Let me read them to you real quick. Mm-hmm. But the, like this was as of like last week or the week before there was, uh, so for every, every diagnosis of COVID for a person on Medicaid or Medicare, uh, they get, uh, or no, for every regular admittance, they get, uh, $4,600 into a, in a hospital from Medicare and Medicaid for every COVID diagnosis that goes up to $13,000 for every COVID diagnosis that's put on a respirator, they get $39,000. Hmm. So what is the, what's the incentive there is to start putting people on these respirators, which apparently are incredibly dangerous in a lot of cases. Uh, it is, it's definitely one of those things where like doctors, uh, debate it a lot where the, to put somebody on a respirator or not. Like, you know, my, uh, Jody Beth was on a respirator when, uh, she had, um, Guillain-Barre and, uh, that was like a big, a big discussion because mm-hmm. the doctors had to, and the doctors had to tell my mom like, Hey, a lot of, you know, she's a good candidate to go on a respirator, but a lot of times people don't come off these. Yeah. Or they might they, wake up again. Yeah, it can yeah. destroy your lungs. Like, yeah. it, the, it's like the guy who Bob Murphy had on. It's like, it's not like it's an, an ounce of cure for a pound of, you know, you know, it's like, it's like an ounce of relief for a pound of problems or something like that. Like, it really doesn't. Yeah. Like it can, you know, some people come out fine and other people in like will be destroyed. And it's not clear always that just cause you're 33 don't smoke and really haven't smoked and have a strong lung capacity that you'll be okay. Like it well, doesn't, that's like, that's an, and yeah. the other, like the other weird, one of the other weird things that's been coming out is that potentially people who are smokers are actually less susceptible because the nicotine has some sort of like reaction that prevents the molecule from binding or something like that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. There's like, but, and that's like, those are like, that's what's, you know, to us consuming news, it is very confusing. And so maybe it's less commu- confusing for people who are quote unquote in charge. But like, I watch like Cuomo giving his like speeches and stuff like that. And he, and he's like, there's people outside protesting. And one of the reporters asks him, it goes basically like these people are losing their jobs. They, some of them have families to feed and stuff like that. What do you, uh, what if the cure is worse than the disease? And Cuomo's response is the disease is death. The, the, it, how can, how can be, how can the cure be worse than the disease if the disease is death you stay in your house for a couple of days you'll be okay and she's like yeah but they're not getting their unemployment checks like some of these people were living paycheck to paycheck anyways that's very common in the current economy um you know and, he, and he's just basically cutting her off and he's like look it, it's death if they want to go out they can go out but what about me what about their responsibility to me what if they give me the covid and like i die then who's responsible for that and like, I mean, he's like very dismissive, I think. Now, like Dave Smith and Michael Malice actually had a conversation about that and they had a different opinion of it. To me, it was very dismissive mm-hmm. of like people's actual struggles. Like the the projection, so uh, I think his name's David, he's an economist, I can't remember what his name is. David, I can, I can look it up, but uh, 
but he cited he cited somebody who's saying that the projection over the next 10 years as a result of this shutdown is 50 million deaths, premature deaths. Mm-hmm. So even at the maximum projections of the deaths in the United States, no, that's 50 million in the United States, which I, I that to me sounds unreasonable. Like, I, I don't think that's true, but I, I'm pretty sure it's way off. <laughs> yeah. But but the the projection maybe it wasn't in the United States maybe it was worldwide I don't maybe I don't it was remember what five it was. million in the United States no 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 it's fifty million for okay. sure so it might have been worldwide though okay but right now I think they they top two hundred thousand deaths worldwide and they're uh, now the the Chinese numbers are questionable but like all the government numbers are questionable like our mm-hmm. numbers are questionable because they're counting people who probably shouldn't be counted or they're, yeah they're, it's like one. you you know you had pneumonia already. And you were 85 and six other conditions. And t- did this kill you? Right. And that's hard yeah. to say too. And, and it could be that you did, you got it. And then that did put you over the edge and you would have recovered otherwise. Like that's, mm-hmm. and those are tricky situations, you know, but in, in the, it was a Soho debate uh, between letting people out now and not letting people out now. And he went through it and he said, look, the numbers, he says, your projection says that X number of people are going to die if we let everybody out now. But I've got projections from reputable economists who are saying that as a result of this shutdown, we're going to see, I, I think it was worldwide, 50 million deaths worldwide. So he said, even at the worst, if there was, I think I think the highest projection was something like 10 million deaths uh, worldwide from, from coronavirus, even at the worst projections, we're still talking about 40 million more deaths over the next 10 years from the economic ramifications of this, which which do have real life and death ramifications. And we're not even factoring in currently the people who are not going to the hospital because they're either afraid to catch corona or because the services at the hospital have been canceled, who probably should go to the hospital mm-hmm. or like legitimate medical concerns who are dying. And like uh, that doctor that Bob Murphy had on, as he said, he definitely is not diagnosing as many people with leukemia as he typically does. Mm-hmm. So and it's not and like leukemia went things. away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and that's one of those things that the earlier you catch it, the more likely you are to survive it. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of things like that. Like you know, uh, like I don't have anything to, you know from the hospital, but I was actually doing yard work, and I was like, if I got bit by a brown recluse spider or a black widow while I was out here doing work, would I actually go to the hospital or not? Well, I hope and for a bl- I, black widow, you wouldn't. Well, I've been bit by a black widow before, and I probably wouldn't. But I was like, I was also like, why I was doing it, I was like, I don't actually really know what the symptoms of a brown recluse are, and like, or how deadly they are. And so, like, I had to go look it up. And apparently, like, you probably should, if you start feeling reactions, you're supposed to go to the hospital or to uh, urgent care or something like that, and they can mm-hmm. help you out. But apparently, like, it's roughly the same as a black widow, maybe a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. And um, but like, but I, I was you know, going through it and thinking about it, and I was like, in any other situation. If I was bit by either one, a black widow or a brown recluse, I probably would go to the doctor uh, just in case. Now, I've been, and like I said, I've been b- bitten by a black widow it, and it swelled up and was all gross and stuff like that. And we did go to the doctor and the doctor didn't do anything. He was just like, no, you know, you'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a kid, we had, we had Navy insurance. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, that was, you know, that's one of those things is like, you know, one way or the other, but you know, it's better safe than sorry. But at this point I was kind of going like, but is it better safe than sorry? And would I, you know, I, I for sure would go to the hospital to urgent care of the hospital. If I, like, I broke my arm, mm-hmm. 
even with the, the whole thing going on. But if I was there for a broken arm, would they give me a COVID test and then say that I was positive, even though I feel fine and I went in for a broken arm? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's possible because they get more money for it. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, we, you and I have, you know, our inside source to the medical industry and, you know, things may have changed recently, but it's like the tests aren't even super accurate and a lot of places still don't have enough tests. So like, if you're not showing symptoms, they're not really bothering because like, if you're not showing the symptoms, they can't admit you. And it's like, right you know, will they, would they even get the money? So like, what's the value now, if you came in and you were hacking up a lung and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was cleaning out the you know carburetor on my car and I accidentally took some brake cleaner to the face and then stumbled and broke my arm. Now they can admit you because you're coughing and they can say, Oh no, he's got, he's coughing because he's got the COVIDs too, as opposed right, to yeah. like, you accidentally maced yourself basically. And you know, you may actually need medical intervention because of the chemicals in that, but it you don't, right. you're not in trouble because of COVID. Now, maybe it would be right to admit you because now you've severely damaged your lungs or could damage your lungs. And then maybe you would be much more, su- su- ex, you know, susceptible to the problems of the COVID who knows. And that's yeah. the thing that's kind of like one of these things where like, I hadn't thought about this like, you know, and you're saying like, well, would I go if like I broke my arm and you're like, I probably would. Or if I got bit by a spider and like, I hadn't like considered not going if I needed to go. Like it had never well, occurred like, for me. me to think for me, a it. lot of it was a lot of it for me was just the inconvenience mm-hmm. like, of having to, it was like, well, you know, is this, would they, would they, would they not admit me? And then I'd have to call an ambulance would like, like all of those types of things. Now, granted, like, I don't think that that's what's going on exactly here right now. I think that mm-hmm. they're still, they're show they're still seeing emergencies and stuff like that. But like the, like, the, and this is infuriating and it's, and I, and I, I think it's also like, possibly it's a symptom of America in general is like the lack of self-awareness. I think of, of people like those TikTok videos from hospitals that are going around where they're like the hospitals are empty but the doctors and stuff are doing like dances or like reenacting the last supper or reenacting parts of Titanic and that sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is a handful of TikTok videos. So it's probably not that many places, but at the same time, like the lack of self-awareness from this type of thing. And like, they also, I don't think people realize what a, like what a powder keg the situation is currently. Like nobody wants to be locked up. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a very loose lockup, like there is a psychological factor on this and it is that there is a lot of people right now myself included and and Victoria too who our lives have so severely been disrupted with no apparent evidence that this is serious or at least as serious as they say and it is it's infuriating mm-hmm. like there's like to hear like the CNNs of the world talk about this, there should be bodies in the streets. Yeah. But when I walk outside in my front yard, the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, my neighbors are waving at me. Everything seems fine. Your neighbor's, your neighbor's running his diesel. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, which I, I learned in one of my other neighbor's names today, uh, yesterday. Oh, and yeah. I remembered it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was really, yeah, I was really, really stoked. Um, but like I said, like most of my neighbors are, in their, in their sixties and seventies. So probably, probably older than that. Even, hmm. uh, it's a, it's a retiree's neighborhood. I did and, not know um, that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's not. There's like two young couples maybe in the neighborhood. The the rest of it is all old folks. Um, but like you know, from all like you know, yesterday I, I sent you a picture. Like I was swimming yesterday in my pool. Like it is a normal. It's a normal early spring, like late spring, early summer. What what is this month? Is this spring? It's spring. I guess, I guess it's April. Yeah. April yeah, it's spring. spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was out swimming. I was doing yard work. Everything seems normal until I go to a place where there's like restaurants. Yeah. And then well, you want to get like, something to eat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Till or like do anything that is not like at the house. So like, granted, like this is this is also I think a little bit of entitlement. Like you know we're used to we're used to this sort of extravagant lifestyle, which, you know, historically we do live a very extravagant lifestyle, but at the same time, if in the, you know, if, if in like the 1600s, they had said, Hey, you can't leave your house or something like that. Like, I, I think like a very large percentage of the population would be like, what? I haven't left my house or farm in like 10 years. Well, like, like what, what's, wasn't there like a statistic that like people from, like prior to like 1920, most the majority of America had never left their town. Yeah, I think it was like within 10 miles of their house. Oh, is that it? Okay, 10 yeah, miles. Something of their house. like yeah. that. But like that's the thing is like one of the things I point out is people left their homes, but yeah. you went three miles down the road to Johnny's house, but you had to walk three miles. It wasn't, or you know, you had to ride a horse that if the horse died, you lost the work of the horse. You know, you, you weren't a going about person for going about sake. You know, you, you know, some people did obviously. Um, but like, you know, in the old West movies where like people, you know, basically ride horses to death. That's like why, you know, it was such a big thing to kill horse thieves. Right. And to deter horse theft is like, that was a serious investment for somebody. And like, you could basically ruin their life by doing that. And this is one of those things where like, because, and this is kind of like Peter Schiff thinking, or like the the inflationary currency that we have has made us appear to be so much richer than we are. But all it took was looking at the economy where like there's articles where people are like millions of children relied upon their school meals to make it through the day and eat. And it's like, okay. Yes, lots of people ate lunch at school, but if I could shift the burden of paying for my food to someone else and socialize that cost, and I was like a poor dum-dum, it seems like it's a good idea. Whereas like these people, if they had been responsible for feeding their kids to begin with, it's, it's like, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like how many people... Like when I was a kid, like school lunch wasn't, there were plenty of people who ate school lunch, but like there weren't a lot of people who got free lunch or reduced lunch. And like, there was a ledger, like it was a a thing and they've like tried to take the stigma away from needing government assistance. And it's like, well, these people wouldn't need a government assistance if you hadn't inflated away the currency and made it so savings didn't make any sense anymore. So like, this is just one of those things where like, I constantly wonder like, as you know, and you, you know, I've always said is like, we don't live in extraordinary times. Like right. what's, the, what's the likelihood. But then like, I think back about it and it's like, well, how many people were like, 
oh, we don't live in extraordinary times and like, here comes the bubonic plague and 40% of the town is dead tomorrow. You know, like those crazy, those crazy events where it's like, no, this is really the change. Or like, you know, people who were just in a village in, you know, Northumbria in England and then the Vikings showed up. Right. And it's like, who are these murderers? (laughs) Right. You know, also like, I mean, maybe from like, also kind of from our perspective, like everything is important to our life to one degree, but also like we don't have historical perfect perspective to see how important it is Mm -hmm. one way or the other. And so like, now this does seem like a very major thing. And and I think it is going to be a very major thing because just like nine 11 or, or 2008, this is a huge power grab for the government. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering and I'm hoping and, and you know what I also wondered and hoped this well probably in two thousand one I never I wasn't old enough really to care that much about it, but um I'm also sort of wondering if this might be uh too much at some point. Like so Texas is already starting to open up again mm-hmm. and um although slowly, but uh and I'm wondering if this is in response to some sort of general sense that uh that this is not working and, or it's not going to work any longer Mm -hmm. because I think there is like you are, you you know, we, we, I don't know if it was before we started recording or not, but we kind of pointed out that there was the Michigan protests and then there started to be a lot of other protests. Yeah. And, um, you know, Texas is having some now where they're just saying, you know, basically open up right now. And, uh, and I think rightfully so I, the, the relief that a lot of these businesses are going to get is uh, probably not going to keep most of them solvent. In fact, some of them are already closed down. Like I'm curious to see what happens. Like my sister's company that she worked for, uh, they're probably going to get some sort of relief, but I'm wondering if it's already too late. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then things like that, things like um, people have been furloughed or laid off in a lot of those cases, it's too late. Like the, the, the effects have already happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm I'm curious to see what the long term consequences of this of these actions are, especially when the news comes out that the numbers now they may be able to spin this and convince enough people, but and and maybe they're right. I don't want to I don't want to totally dismiss it. Be, you know, I was t- I was telling you about that debate um, between uh, uh, I looked it up. It's David Henderson and and Justin Wolfers, and the resolution was uh, the U.S. economy should be liberated from government lockdowns right away. And it was a very, the, the negative I actually thought had a lot of very interesting points. And because he was sort of a left liberal, but I think honest, uh, it was interesting to see his perspective of the situation. Mm -hmm. And, but also in both, on both sides, a little bit of like a lack of, a lack of empathy and understanding of somebody else's perspective of, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think everybody has that. Like I, I, I certainly do. And, um, but there's also like a, I think, and, and it might be because I, I more closely associate with probably the right is that when somebody like this, Jeff, Justin Wolfers, like talks about like this lockdown being necessary and stuff. It's like, to me, it is an elitist, not understanding that some people have to work for their money. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he does work. He's just an academic and his work is not physically dependent. Yeah. It's more just him writing or speaking. And this is, this is one of those things where like, I have a hard time thinking in this way 
but I think you think better in this way than I do where it's people honestly believe that the worst thing that America faced before this was racist Donald Trump. Right. Like, or racism. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the diehard leftists are leftists isn't even the right term, like progressives, whatever, whatever, like the, yeah. the diehards of the, cathedral. it's the, the, the TDS people, the Trump derangement syndrome people, whatever not, they are. But not only them, but like, because there were some Trump derangement syndrome people who weren't into the racism thing. Like they weren't like, they didn't see race as the, the main priority, but yeah, like those people, like the people as Michael Malice with the, who like are in the, you know, worship at the cathedral continuously. Yeah. Yeah. Like for some of them, they don't know any better. They're not getting any other news source. And it's not like they're not trying to, they, you know, go to MSNBC, they go to CNN, they go to the New York times, they go to the Washington post, they've gone to four places and they're all saying the same thing. And, you know, it's not like zero hedge is like, Oh, you could just go to zero hedge and see something different. And it's not like Fox is that different either. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and if you've already think Trump's a buffoon and, you know, making sarcastic comments like, oh, you just inject Lysol or whatever he said. Like, I right. didn't bother to watch it. And, like, I hate people who are like, oh, he couldn't have possibly been being sarcastic. Like, you know, it's like, look, you don't know what he was doing. Like, whatever. Well, and it's also like, he's ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't think any, and like, <laughs> he's frequently ridiculous. And, yeah. And that's very sarcastic like, and just a weird guy. Yeah. And he's also, for like for I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm a Trump supporter. Right. Can you imagine any other president's response to this? Like the, the grab of power that the federal government would have done. Oh yeah. It doesn't seem like the Trump government has really tried to do anything. They issued guidelines and then like people are pissed that like they're not following the federal guidelines, but the federal government wants to build a wall against Mexico. And you're like, yeah, why do these jackasses know what they're doing? Like, that's the thing that I think is kind of what we're seeing now is finally the, and this is like, I don't know how to square this. People actually think they're going to be murdered by these by us who the people who want to go out because we're going to go out and get the covids and give it to them you know what i mean like they actively think that they're going there's a chance like a high probability they're going to die from this and staying at home keeps them safe i can't help stupid but i also like used to think that you know the war in iraq was a good idea and it's like why did i think that why did I think that as long as I did? Why did I think the war in Afghanistan made any sense, even though the British had been fighting there for a century? Like the Afghan, like before the Afghanistan war started, did you know the Soviets had fought in Afghanistan for 10 years? Probably not for, no, probably not before that. Yeah. I, I think, I think I learned it. Actually, I think I might've even learned it after you and I started being libertarians. Yeah. I, 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 I think I maybe had like a general sense that it, that it happened. Yeah. Like I right. knew so little of Soviet history besides Chernobyl from like yeah. the end of like 
Vietnam to like the end of the Cold War. Like nothing, as far as I know, nothing happened in the Soviet Union. Like they didn't do anything. And like, I didn't really, you know, there's a podcast out that's like what we saw and it's, I'm not saying it's historically inaccurate, but there's a lot of like pro America talk in it and like how much better capitalism is, but it's like, this isn't real capitalism. It's like crony stuff, but it, it's one of those things. Like I kind of miss that, like the warmth that I used to have thinking about like America's the good guy. You know what I mean? Like, like I miss some of that, but like, that's what to me is so surprising is these people who, like they actually think we're trying to kill them. Like, right. and that giving up and like, for some of them, they are sacrificing their incomes, like truly going without, but it's like, there's, I guess they're so used to just being able to put it on a credit card or bankruptcy or whatever it is. Like they don't realize that not everybody has access to that. That's not a real, like, you know what I mean? Like it, it only can happen for so many people before it's just the whole house of cards comes down or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and this is one of those things where your income hasn't suffered. My income hasn't suffered. Neither of our wives jobs have been threatened by this. You know what I mean? Like we're, yeah. Like in this case, like we're the elitist almost. Yeah. Like we're still fully employed. And like, I don't mean that to like, you know, you and I both make okay money. We both wish we made significantly more money, but we also live a pretty high standard, but can like, I mean, you just bought a house and it's not like you guys, you know, bought like a 400 square foot house and put paid nothing but cash for it. You did take on debt to do it, but it's not, it wasn't an unreasonable amount of debt that you assumed given your incomes and like, the same with like my ha- like household, like we have debt, but like, I don't have any consumer debt and I haven't had consumer debt in like six plus years other than, I guess we do, we did buy the car on credit, but I did have the cash to pay for the car outright and still have savings. Right. I just chose not to, cause like, I got like a 0.9% interest rate. So right. theoretically yeah, I should have financed sense. the whole car. Yeah. And then just, you know, put the other in a CD with Navy Federal and I could have made money on the deal. Right. I'm actually kind of mad I didn't do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, but you know, those sort of things where it's like you and I are dicking around selling options and playing around in like derivative markets and side businesses, all the stuff that we do. And like, there are people who are generally afraid and like, but there are people on um, like Tom Woods, Facebook group or something like that, that were saying that like, I do not want young people to sacrifice their futures so I can have a future. And I think this is the, I think this is kind of the last hurrah of the, the older generation where like they haven't been able to make it about being poor. They haven't been made, been able to make it about being a minority. It's basically like, and they, they won't say this is an old people's killer yet. Right. 
so this is one of those things where I think like what's going to turn out is just going to be like, it's kind of like the old people who went to try to like deal with Fukushima where they were just like, I'm 60. I'll, I'll die. Like to go save people, you know, in the Fukushima disaster and everything like that. Like they sacrificed their lives and their remaining health to try to help. Right. And that's yeah. where I think we're going to see a lot of people, old people are just going to be kind of like, no, this, this isn't worth it. And yeah. that's kind of one of those ones where like conspiracy theory was this like designed to, you know, trigger the wealth transfer. As I think I've mentioned to you before, like, is this designed to trigger the wealth transfer before they managed to get the high marginal tax rates in to like steal the wealth transfer that's coming up? Right. Um, yeah. was, you know, or was this a way to prick the social security bubble? You know, like what was, what, or is this truly, well, that's actually, that's an interesting, uh, I didn't think about that, but yeah. yeah. Cause that's actually something I was telling Victoria about the other day. Cause you know, social, social security is insolvent. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if they do have an old people killer, then, you know, it's not as big of a problem. Yeah. But the, also the question is, are they going to use this as an excuse to kick the can for social security by basically saying, well, you know, we lost all that income, we lost all that stuff, so we're going to cut benefits. You know, are they going to use it one of those situations where they're going to kick the can by going like, well, you're not going to get paid as much. That's that could be. That's you also know, you, that's also possible. But and also though like you think about too is that like even from a social security standpoint or any type of retirement like you and me are very far away from retirement and also our kind of idea of retirement's different than I think the majority of America, but mm-hmm. Imagine if you're like, you know, one of the older women that we used to, well, that you currently work with that I, but I worked with previously mm-hmm. and not that far away from retirement, maybe a couple of years, uh, five or six years, maybe. And your 401k just took this hit. Mm-hmm. And like, what does that do to your prospects for the future? Well, like, and, and I'm not it, sure. Cause I think a better question would be, like not the, not the women that I worked with because, or I work with, because I don't think they have that, but my dad had like 300,000 in his 401k. What right. did it do to his 401k? Yeah. And true. like, but that's the thing is like with my dad, like I, I just can't see him actually retiring. Right. And you know, my goal is to like, basically before my parents can retire, find a way that my mom can make money online. And then, have that be their transitional income. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. So, but this is, this is the thing that like, I just don't think we live in exceptional times. So I just don't know if the collapse is here (laughs) and I have a hard time scaring that idea. Cause like, and I I think, I think those first couple of days when you and I were texting back and forth and actually one of our, our episodes earlier this month or late last month, I, I was pretty sure that it was here. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't think the United States can withstand this. Like this is, this is going to be the breakup. This is the end or whatever. And and then I, it took a little while. I kind of put it into perspective in my mind and I was like, you know what? This is exactly, you and I probably had the exact same text conversation in 2008. Um, Well, that's the thing is like 2008 was happening, had already kicked off. So like by the time we knew each other, you know what I mean? Like, cause I guess that's just true. It was I, I did three years at NC state. So it was late 2008 when the like collapse was happening and stuff. Um, but even then, that's like, weird. Cause like, I, re- I recall watching the stock market just plummet at payday. No, that's the, th- that's the thing is like, it did it. You, you, I think you did, 
but like, I think we were having that conversation like continuously, you know what I mean? Like okay, yeah. we were kind of like, well, I don't know how I can make it. And then it's like, it just keeps going. And this is yeah. the, like, you know, the seeking of the Lusitania, like all the, you know, entrance of the world war one, like the putting on the, you know, going off the gold standard, like all these momentous events aren't as momentous as they seem. Cause like, you know, the stagflation of the seventies, that is yeah. not talked about other than the, like the gas lines, but it's not right. talked about the fact that that was brought on because of our support for Israel. Like yeah. no one right. mentions that they just mentioned like the oil embargo and like, they don't even talk about it now because it's like against Muslims because Muslims did that for the most part, even though, you know, yeah, Nigeria it, it is, is in there, there's a weird, like yeah, that is, that's Christian interesting. Nation. So, I mean, even even in that '70s show, uh, they do talk about the economy being bad and that sort of thing. But like, it doesn't really paint it as a desperate time. But it really was a, a, a desperate time for that, many years. But that's the thing is, it, for, it for a lot of people, it wasn't as desperate as people as it seemed to be. Because like, so many people couldn't get gas and things like that. But people had jobs; they just didn't grow. And that's the thing that yeah. like is amazing to me is like. We grew, we didn't really grow in the seventies. We grew in the eighties. We grew in the nineties. Didn't really grow in the two thousands and the 2010s, like certain areas of the government, you know, the economy went bananas, but like the rest of the economy wasn't super impacted. So this is one of those ones where it's like, you know, I think I saw a news article saying that like JC Penney's may declare bankruptcy, but I haven't seen an article that Sears is going to do it. Yeah, that that I actually mentioned that to Victoria yeah. the other day. I was like, "How on earth is Sears still existing?" Yeah, and that's the thing is like, <laughs> I have wanted Sears to come back and be like the Amazon Sears Roebuck. You know, like I would love to yeah. see like Amazon just buy the Sears brand and be like, "We're no longer Amazon, we're Sears," and then like yeah. roll out the catalog, do like those custom homes, do all that crazy stuff that Sears used to do, like. I would just love to see that sort of silliness or like for us to somehow get the Sears brand. And right. Like, yeah. Something, yeah. Something weird. Yeah. But that, I, it, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it is, that's like one of those where I'm like, how on earth these places still exist? Yeah. Like it, well, Macy's is kind of one of those other ones where I'm like, I don't know how Macy's is still making money. And yet every time we go in there, which is rare, but like, you know, I get a gift card once in a while from, from Macy's. So we go in and, and there's a couple things that Victoria likes there. And we'll go in and it's packed. Yeah. And I'm like, how, where, who are all these people? Like, why, and, and why are they shopping here? Well, it's baffling to me is so many times they go in there and like the brands are brands I've never really heard of before. Yeah. And like, but you know, for a while there, I only wore like Banana Republic. And yeah, that's, that's true. Business. And then like, I recently, um, J. Crew went out of business in MacArthur Mall and I bought a bunch of shirts, work shirts from them. And they're not as good as the Banana Republic ones, but they're still really good. And it's like, but then you go into like, you know, Macy's and you're like, what freaking brands are these? Like Salt Life or like there's, um, so, you know, the, um, like the little whale logo one. Yeah. Uh, uh Vineyard Vines. I yeah. Think. Vineyard Vines. Like our, your old boss, my boss, like loves that brand. And I like it too. It's actually they're pretty good. Um, but like there's a competitor, like Southern tide is like a competitor of them. And I'm like, that's just like came out of nowhere. And it's like, but it's sold at like 
department stores. And I'm like, how are brands still like trying to position themselves to be sold in department stores? Like, how is that still yeah. happening? And that's what well, I mean. That's and I I think there is like, and I this is another thing I was talking to Victoria about when we when you know because we're at home together all the time. Like we just I, I talk about the things that I would normally talk about with like you or with people at work mm-hmm. or whatever with her. Is it like that's another thing? Is I I, say, I think there's like huge swaths of. American culture and economy that I am just not aware of because it's not a part of the world I'm interested in. Well, yeah, but and like, and like fashion is one of those things where it's just like I don't ever go to the mall. When I do, it's because Victoria wants me to go to the mall, and while I'm there, I usually am listening to a podcast, sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I go get some get some ice cream at the Baskin Robbins or whatever it is that they have in there, and then I sit on a bench and eat ice cream and listen to a podcast. And like that's my mall experience. <laughs> But like, there's people there doing stuff, and in my mind, the mall is like, it, it's like the mall in Palatka. <laughs> when <laughs> a couple of years ago, when I went down there, and it was literally two open stores. Still, it wasn't mm-hmm. a huge mall, but it was like the Army Recruiter and a Dollar General or something like that. <laughs> and like that was the entire mall, uh, and the rest funny. of it was. It was so bizarre to go in there because it was like it was open. You could go walk in like the the promenade or whatever it's called, like where you walk down the middle area mm-hmm. of, of like this two story mall that is just empty. Okay, there's a good dead mall channel on Amazon or on YouTube. Oh really? And the guy did like yeah, three malls wild. in Hampton roads. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I should look that up. Yeah. He, um, that'll, that'll be interesting. He did military circle. He did like the Chesapeake square mall and it like, it goes into the history of the mall and he's got like, promotional videos from when they time they opened and like talks about like the weird financing. Like it's a, like I'd like to see that guy on with some of the pre-show conversation we were having. So like the, uh, yeah, like the city planning guy and stuff like that. Like, cause I think that's another thing that like, it's kind of missing from that discussion at least is like the weird infrastructure investments. Like they like come, you know, towns making these like, Oh, tax positive, you know, event or yeah things i'm not getting the right words but yeah i mean that, yeah. I, that's definitely i would really like to and and maybe if i get one of you know i i've been talking about this for ages but like i i wanted to just kind of start a side podcast series about childerberg town mm-hmm. um and actually we'll kind of like put a pin in this and and do our childerberg plug right now and then yeah. i've got one topic i just kind of wanted to get into before we wrap yeah, up yeah. we've been going for like 45 minutes but uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to have some of those guys from our like pre-conversation, uh, strong towns podcast, shout out to them, uh, to him, uh, if you're, if you guys are interested and also, uh, the counselor cast, he is a little bit darker, more doom and gloom. Uh, he basically thinks like the collapse of America is imminent and I think it is as well, but not necessarily in as stark of terms. I think that mm-hmm. it's really a reorganization. And, uh, but you know, I've been, I've been saying that for years, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we've got my entire lifetime left of unrestrained, weird American growth and like bizarre <laughs> malinvestment, yeah. but, uh, check out both of those, but kind of as mentioned, Childerberg town, uh, you can hear my kind of like formation of that idea. Mason, and I've been talking about it for months and months and probably I've been talking about it with other people as well. Uh, <laughs> but I, I kind of fleshed it out a little bit on Robbie, the fire Bernstein's podcast, run your mouth, uh, and, uh, we were both talking about that. It turns out there's actually a lot of other people in the Liberty movement and other movements as well that are interested in this kind of uh, town level 
liberation from the current situation mm-hmm. and um and more of like a of a self it's it's sort of like a self-reliance message i think in a lot of cases where it's like you there may be things that you can't get in your local town but you should be able to survive if it's just your local town and mm-hmm. uh, i think that that's a that's a good a good message i mean right now if you know if suburbia collapsed there's a lot of people who they just would not be able to live in suburbia. There's not enough access. If for some reason the roads were not accessible or they weren't maintained and you couldn't get out, there's just, there's a good chance that, uh, I wouldn't say you'd starve necessarily, but you would, you would have very difficult times, uh, mm-hmm. if there was, you know, infrastructure issues, uh, going forward. And, uh, that's kind of one of the things that a lot of that the counselor cast and, um, Strong Towns kind of talks about is that is the debt driven infrastructure, the the bizarre subsidization of, for lack of a better way of putting it, urban sprawl is is people moving out into the suburbs is that it's not really a sustainable model and they go into the numbers in those and I think they are very very interesting so I recommend those but back to Childeberg Town so Childeberg uh, is an event that is still happening as of now. Uh, May 23rd through 26th in Austin, Texas at Emma Long Metropolitan Park. Now, according to the city of Austin, Emma Long Metropolitan Park will be reopened for camping on the 8th. And if uh, that happens as planned, which is as of now, I'm assuming it will, um, we are still on and we will still be on regardless of them delaying that open, we're going, we do have an alternative location. I don't want to announce it yet uh, because it is a first come first serve location. And if it comes down to Emelong Metropolitan Park being shut down, which it does not appear that it's going to be. So count on it still being open. um, We will be coordinating with everybody who's signed up for a campsite at Emma Long to see who's still coming and is interested in going to the alternative location so that we can try to work out something there. Uh, anything I miss about that? Uh, no, not that I can think of. Um, okay. So if anybody's coming, to reiterate. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Reiterate. It's still on. Yeah. <laughs> a lot because actually the LNC did announce today that um, the Marriott, and this has been posted on the LNC's website. The Marriott has canceled uh, the hotels that were the hotel rooms that were booked for the LNC. Uh, so they are having a live broadcast on the second. We were holding this in coordination with the LNC, uh, not affiliated in any way. Uh, we were just doing it at the same time so that people could come get a break from that. It appears that that is not happening anymore. And um, but we are still doing our thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause we are not, we're not an LNC, LNC affiliate or anything like that. We just kind of wanted to see the people who are going to that anyways. And, um, it appears that it's just going to be the Childerbergers and people who maybe were going to the LNC, but can make it out to Texas for, uh, just some, a nice camping trip for a couple of days and hang yeah. out with some cool people. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, anything, yeah. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I was going to say anybody who is possibly driving from the Dallas area, on saturday to austin hit us up on twitter i'm probably going to be flying in um depending on flights i should be there before noon and then either driving out to austin or if somebody's driving that way uh hopefully catch a ride with them so we'll see yeah yeah i think i think we can probably work something out i think probably there will be some people coming down that day i I have i have a few leads so we'll we'll see cool cool um so with that transition 
you've been listening to the last 51 minutes to Tasting Anarchy. We've been – this is a very ranty episode. I think we're both kind of <laughs> – especially me, I'm getting really antsy being in the house all the time. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not in the house all the time, so it's really not kind yeah. of <laughs> bothering me. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is – it, it's odd that it's weighing on me because I am such an introvert, but I kind of mm-hmm. do like uh, breaking up the day. And I think too that um, I do really want Victoria to be having a good time, like all the time, <laughs> and uh, which is unreasonable, of course. But like it does when like if I can't think of something fun to do or I can't provide like an outing or something like that, it's a little bit stressful to me. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think I'm realizing that now. I don't think I realized it as much before, but. Uh, I did look up a garden center today that was open and that had like a very large selection of pots because we were been looking for pots mm-hmm. and um, we did buy five pots. They were each quite expensive and then we brought them home. I put them out on the, the spots where we wanted them and she decided that they were not quite the correct color. And so we will be returning those, <laughs> but uh they, but anyways, <laughs> that was like one of those things where like, I, I, I was very happy that she enjoyed going because mm-hmm it was like, we've just been stuck in the house. Like I haven't been able to take her out on a date. I try to maintain weekly dates. Um, and like, I haven't been able to take her out on like a date or anything like that, where we go out to dinner and dress up and have a good time and stuff like that. But, uh, we did both dress up a little bit to go to the garden center and, uh, (laughs) do that kind of thing. So, yeah. So I think it was, I think that those first 50 minutes or so were kind of a little bit of vent time Mm -hmm. where it's just like, I can't believe the government's doing this and I can't believe we're still shutting the house. But you know, at the same time, like, like, like we, we said it several times or I said several times it was, uh, nobody really knows what's mm-hmm. going on. And it's, a uh, it's a very strange, yeah. And that's very strange, but maybe it's not, not, not extraordinary. Like you were saying. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we are both acute, acutely aware that neither of us are sick. Neither of us have been exceptionally damaged by the actual viral thing that's happening we understand that it may sound kind of aloof for us to both be like well we're fully employed blah 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 like we get it people are hurting out there but people are this is going so unexamined in so many places and the fact that so many people are just basically being shouted down for even questioning it is super freaky to us so Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's kind of weird, but let's go ahead and get into the wine part of this. I do have one article I want to talk about, and I also kind of want to mention my wine. It was a little bit unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually am not drinking it tonight. Uh, this is one that I opened earlier this week that uh, I wanted to bring up because I think this is actually the first time that I've had a Magnum size wine bottle. Oh my! Um, have you ever had one? Quite frequently, Ashley. Really? Gets okay, the, so. Uh, like Ashley oh, drinks barefoot, yeah. so I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Like that's interesting because I don't I don't drink those brands uh, mm-hmm. and I don't typically go down that aisle. But it's a one point five liter bottle as a Magnum. Um, this is also a little bit of an older vintage, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's a two thousand eight, so it's uh, twelve years old. That's um, it's quite interesting. Yeah. So it was interesting, but it was a Cab Sauv. It's it's called uh, V Madrone Cabernet Sauvignon 2008. It is 14.5% alcohol by volume. It's a Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I believe that they are Napa Valley sourced, not necessarily from a particular vineyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, taste-wise or, or look-wise is a dark uh, red near purple color. 
Um, not opaque. You can't really see any light through it. Smell. It was a very dark red fruit. Hint of tobacco, which was the most interesting thing I think about it. Um, and then like kind of typical spices that you would get from Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, Taste-wise, dark fruit. Uh, spices. It had that that tobacco, which is is a night an, an interesting thing. And I like that component in um in a in Cab Sauv, especially a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, it's medium bodied. The uh the tannins were. It leaves kind of like a um. I think they call it stringent, like a stringent taste in your mouth. Um, it's not. It, it is the tanicky flavor, but it's more of like a chalkiness. I think. Um, hmm. Yeah. So the, I think was, I, the, I, so, I kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it was an interesting texture left over from it. There was also like a little bit of uh, herbal flavor, but I wasn't really able to pinpoint. I think it might be associated with like sage, but because I'm not, I don't like eat sage on stuff very often or really smell sage very often. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to pinpoint, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do think this is a similar flavor to ones that are described as having that sage taste. Uh, So that was, I thought that was, it was, it was interesting. My conclusion is I, I, I wouldn't say that this particularly stood out as a outstanding or or bad cab, cab sob. I think it was a good cab sob. Um, it usually retails uh, for about $45 a bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought it because it was significantly cheaper on Last Bottle Wines. Uh, it is interesting. I only got one bottle of it because it was the large bottle. They don't really fit on my rack. I don't really have any good way of storing it. Victoria actually liked this one, so it wasn't too spicy for her, which is what a lot of the cabs that I like she thinks are too spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was, uh, it had the spice flavors, but I think it was more along the lines of like baking spice than on like cloves and things like that. So, gotcha. uh, it, it was good for her. Uh, it was a 12 year old bottle. Now, after I opened it and drank it with Victoria, it, I kind of was like thinking more about why they have these big bottles. And apparently for fine wines, these are actually designed to age for longer. Hmm. So because of the larger bottle, you do have, it ages for longer. You get a, a lot more flavor development in there uh, over a longer period of time. So I'm not sure what that translates to as far as freshness, but this tasted very good. I wonder if maybe if I had kept it for another 12 years, if it would have been different. Uh, I'm sure it would have been different. I'm not sure what would have been different about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other reason we opened it is because it had a wax seal on top okay. in addition to a cork. And I damaged the wax seal when we were moving. Oh, okay. So makes sense. I, so I broke off half of it, and <laughs> and it. I don't think it was. I don't think it was like open or exposed to the air. But I was like, you know what? I broke the wax off. Might as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a cap sob, and Victoria does like some of those. So I thought maybe it would be nice. We did decant it uh, for about six hours before we drank it. Wow. Uh, I just poured. Yeah, I just poured it into the decanter and then put the little round ball cork on it, um, mm-hmm. like loosely. But it was because. I thought we were going to drink it pretty soon. And then she ended up wanting to drink it after we had dinner. So, uh, and we watched a movie and so, but it was, it was good. I thought, I thought it was a, a decent bottle of wine. I, I would recommend it to other people. I don't think it was like outstanding or standout, but I do think it was good. And if you, um, can pick this up for less than 45, I think it's definitely worth it. I'd, I'd maybe get two bottles and put one up on the shelf if you have room for a couple of years and then um, make sure it's it's horizontal because you do want the wine to touch the cork when you're storing. Uh, but besides that, I don't really have much to say about it. It was interesting. I don't think I've had one that was this size unless maybe, you know, maybe in a sangria your wife made or something like that. We did yeah, have one that was it, like, like this. No, nothing that was, I don't think you've had anything that I know of that was meant to was in that size that for anything other than like, um, 
Like convenience. Yeah, basically just, you know, like commercially, super commercial wine. It's like, okay, right. yeah, okay. you may have had it in that, but no, I don't think, I can't think of any time where you've been like, oh, I got like a Magnum bottle, um, maybe a champagne or something like that, or like a sparkling. Yeah, that's possible. That in passing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. couldn't recall any. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Now, mention last bottle of wines. If they go to tastinganarchy.com, click on the link, they can uh, get $10 off, yep. right? Yep, ten dollars yeah. off, and we and do, we get a nice little kickback. Yeah, we get a nice little kickback uh, that we'll gladly use. So, yep, yep. And uh, I guess to finish out the episode, I, I wanted to mention this article. Uh, I thought it was interesting. It does play into government's fingers being in your drink, or government being in your drink, and also mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, harkens back to our friend Car Campit, who's one of our long long time listeners. Uh, and also has been a guest on the show and is a frequent friend of like former uh, co-founder of Childerberg. Um, anyways, Car Campit, everybody who listens to the show may not know him, but I think the majority of you do. So this, is, this has show. to do with Francia. <laughs> What's that? I said he's been on the show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so this has to do with Francia. So the title of the article is Francia Box Wine Packaging. Uh, reads uh, – it. Oh man, I think I co- I f- I copied this wrong. Let me read it from the actual place because mm-hmm. maybe because I think I copied or I wrote it down wrong. It says Franzia's box wine packaging. Oh, I I wasn't reading it wrong. Uh, packaging redesign, quote unquote, jammed uh, up in trademark dispute. So let let me read it one more time because I think I confused that title. So Franzia box wine packaging redesign quote jammed up in trademark dispute so basically the there's been a redesign of the franzia bottle and it says uh bold and jammy and they're they're jammed up meaning like it's held up in litigation because of trademark (laughs) so that so it's a it's a play on the title yes (laughs) so uh to summarize the article so franzia is uh they did a redesign of their box and um this is the first uh redesign they've done in quite a long time i think uh it said 12 years um and on uh one of the boxes it says bold and jammy that's for uh their their red blend and uh there is a company called jam sellers so j lowercase a capital m sellers they filed a trademark dispute um with the government uh that against the the wine group who produces franzia among many other um wines and jam says that the use of jammy on the label hurts their company because they have spent millions of dollars in advertising and on uh refining their wine to win awards in contests to associate jam with their brand and so uh they're seeking a cease and desist against franzia who is saying this doesn't infringe on it it's a very common term used in um in wine to describe it. And it also is a good way for us to communicate to our clients that this may have a flavor that they like. And on the other hand, uh, jam sellers is saying that they associate that flavor with our wine. And because you're saying it's jammy, they will not buy our wine. They'll buy yours because it's cheaper. <laughs> and so it's, so it's damaging to our, our brand. So I thought that was kind of interesting. We'll, we'll see where this goes. It wasn't much more to the article. I think I th- that's pretty much it. I'll link to it in the show notes if anybody wants to read it. Maybe they'll get something more out of it than I did. I thought that was a very interesting article. Uh, and it 
does also show how these kind of ridiculous things do impact prices and uh, advertisement and things like that in the drinking world. So you've got now uh, Franzia is going to have to spend money on litigation against Jam. And, and they may be reimbursed if it turns out this is frivolous, but it probably won't be frivolous because Jam does have a trademark on Jam. And um, so maybe they maybe there will be damages or and maybe there won't. But regardless, it does one way or the other, it's going to change the price probably of those two. It's also going to change other companies' decisions when – uh, how to implement their own strategy for advertising. And I think that this is interesting because I do actually think there is room for trademark in uh, anarchist theory, but not in this way. So I, like, I would say that jam sellers could be trademarked or at least they could, they could sue if somebody else said they were jam sellers for fraud. But it would have to be kind of like a class action lawsuit on behalf of the clients. Whereas trademarking the word jam when jam is an actual product and also a way to describe flavor to me is ludicrous. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I think, I think it's a very interesting, it's very interesting. And what's funny about the, the design refresh on Franzia, it's mm-hmm. not that different than, than the old box. It just says bold and jammy on it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not like it's, they, you know, came out with like jam was all over it or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But and also, and, and when you compare it to the bottle of jam sellers, uh, cab mm-hmm. it is, it's, um, they're, they're leaps and bounds different. I mean, they're very different labels. <laughs> there, there would be no, there would be no way of, of telling, there'd be no way of confusing this unless you're a complete idiot. If one <laughs> says jam and the other one says bold and jammy mm-hmm. and they, they're completely different colors. They're one's a box and one's a bottle and they're just, they're completely different products. I mean, like just looking at them and I'm sure the price point is completely different. I think that, I think I looked it up. I think jam sellers, their stuff sells for like $25 a bottle. So it's a little more expensive. Um, Let's let's look it up a little more. (laughs) Jam sellers, uh, cabs, sob. Oh, also they have a trademark on buttery. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Okay, so uh, jam is actually a a low uh, low price point. So they actually they retail for about eighteen dollars. So interesting. Um, yeah, it looks like it looks like you can get it from between. 14 and 18. So not a really high end product, but even 14 and 18 is kind of a step above, above, above Francia. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's in a bottle and not a box, uh, <laughs> not to, not to disparage boxes, but, but yeah, it, it, uh, you're not, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean like there's box wine that, yeah, there's box wine that I like. So I, I think that this is interesting. The company jam, this lawsuit leads me to believe that they're litigious and that that may be one of the income avenues of the company, but maybe not. Um, so they apparently the wine group, the company that makes um, Franzia is also been sued for using butter kisses to describe one of their wines because the word butter in Chardonnay is trademarked by the, by jam sellers. <laughs> 
or butter butter kissed, not butter kisses. Oh, okay. Butter kissed, butter kissed. Yeah. There's also uh, they use the phrase rich and buttery. Mm-hmm. That's also according to Jam Sellers a trademark infringement. So. Uh, so apparently descriptive words on the advertisement, according to Jam Sellers, is inappropriate in these cases. So here, here's, a, here's an example of how, um, you know, trademark law can actually impact uh, Car Campus' favorite wine. So if Franzia ends up losing this case, you know, Car might see another five or six cents added on to his Franzia. Hmm. Or they might have we'll see, some or, sort of... Uh... You know, um, insurance. That's true. Against that's this also, sort of thing. That's also and it may, not, it may not hit them at all. So, <laughs> And they're also, they're, they are the largest wine producer in the country. So they also, they may be able to eat the cost or they mm-hmm. may, you know, like you said, they may have insurance or they may have like something planned out for that it, it, or it's, it could already be built in. I'm sure they do receive a lot of lawsuits um, just because they're a very large company and deep pockets are kind of what people go for. People don't sue you know, Joe Schmo as much as they would sue, you know, Microsoft or something like that. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's really it. That That's all of the stuff I really wanted to talk about. We had, I think a good conversation of ranting about Corona. Uh, my state is supposed to be opening up this next week. So possibly by the next episode, what, what would that be? That'll be, that'll be the third. So possibly by next episode, I'll be having eaten out at a restaurant or something. Yeah. You know, and we'll possibly have, uh, you know, a special guest on for a while. Yeah. Hopefully we will. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him again. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else you want to add? No. All right. All right. So from us at tasting anarchy, stay, stay free. free. Knock down windows and tan down door. Drinking Afghans and calling for more. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Port and sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling for the American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some buys fifth and some buys fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day.